Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Happy PWS Awareness Month, everyone. For those new to this podcast, my daughter Freya is seven and a half. I have to include the half for her sake. And she was diagnosed with Prader-Willi syndrome at the ripe age of three and a half months. I started this podcast in March of 2018 and have since told many aspects of our own story, as well as interviewed other families about their experiences raising children with special needs, not just PWS. I occasionally bring in educators and therapists and other members of the special needs community in hopes to offer resources, education, advocacy, and understanding. But this month, in honor of PWS Awareness Month, and yes, thank you to the California State Senate for now recognizing May as PWS Awareness Month, I will be coming out with an episode every week with someone new from the PWS community. These are beautiful stories that offer insights, wisdom, and resources to share, so keep checking back in for those. May also happens to be my birthday month, and this year I will be turning the big four zero. Forty. Forty never looked so normal, I guess. <laughs> I was looking at some pictures of when Freya was a baby, and I've got to say, I looked so much younger then, and that was only seven years ago, but we are not here to talk about my age. (laughs) May is also the month when I will be hosting my first writing workshop for parents of children with special needs, and I'm super stoked to offer this. And I should say I'm co-hosting. I'm designing it, but my friend Therese, who has done many workshops and is a great mindfulness teacher. She will be there to keep it all on track and help make this something that is absolutely worth attending. Writing is a crucial part of my life for understanding, processing, and coping with the array of emotions and experiences, and I hope to help cultivate a writing practice for people who feel called to try it or help them dive deeper into an existing one. So if you are local, the workshop is May 30th. It is donation only. That means if you can't afford any donation, don't worry about it. Come anyway. And childcare is provided again for donation only if you have it. So I think that's a great deal. There are only 12 spots available since this is the first one and we want to see how it goes and make sure that it's doable for us and also for the childcare. And registration is due by May 16th. So don't hesitate. If you're interested, I'll put a link in the show notes. You can go to my website. I'll give you that um, later on in this intro and you can find it. It's a it's a virtual sign up. Um, I don't know if virtual is the right word, but it's an online form to fill out. It's going to be a great way to meet other parents, to talk about some of the issues that um, we deal with and hopefully tap into some writing as healing. So I'm really looking forward to it. And if you are not in the area, but this is something that you're interested in. I will say that my writing journal, which is focused on parents of children with special needs, it is uh, under its final edit by my dear friend. And that is a priority on my list. So that will be out very, very soon. Yeah, I'm also open to talking about other ideas for writing workshops. So if you're interested, feel free to email me, walkingwithfreya at gmail.com. On a side note, if you're local, I will be at the new bookstore, Bayside Books in Sunnybrae or Arcata this Friday, May 4th. I will be promoting and reading from my novel, The Orchard's Descendant. 
I would love to share that with anyone. And if you do hear this podcast and decide to show up, then please introduce yourself. I would love to to meet anybody who is interested in any of this. I will also be accompanied by my friend Trisha Reel, who has a fantasy young adult series called Zephram Gates. And it's a fantastic books. And she has audio versions and she has uh, a lot of characters and she does astrology and she does these astrology videos in the character dress as the characters and in their voice it's, she's hilarious she's such a fantastic woman so she will be there with me so check us out at Bayside Books at starting at seven and yeah like I said please introduce yourself um I'd love to to meet you guys now one more thing before I tell you about this interview I am happy and excited to include some very important PWS resources in these episodes in our conversation Jessica mentions PWCF Prada Willie California Foundation when we were first diagnosed when everything was a blur when we were stymied under the prospect of what next and what about the future and what will our life look like and what now All those overwhelming questions. I remember that the doctors plugged us into some important resources. PWCF was one of those. They reached out. I think we even talked to someone on the phone for a while. They sent us a big three-ring binder full of information and papers to help us keep track of therapies and appointments, along with two videos about PWS, one for care providers. PWCF is a fantastic organization, and I am so grateful that they are here. They provide a state network of support, education, and advocacy resources for families and professionals in California. They really are amazing to to know, and I feel very blessed to be in a community that has something like PWCF. So one of the ways that they make money is they do these walks. So some of the things that the money goes to fund is the outreach that they do, the PWS summer camps, scholarships, educational conferences, research, education support for PWS medical clinics, PWS trainings in schools, group homes, work sites, and family homes. Now, the walks are in Southern California. There's one on May 19th at El Dorado East Regional Park. There's one in Northern California in San Francisco, June 1st at Little Marina Green. And there's one in the San Diego area, June 9th at NTC Park, Liberty Station, San Diego. You can also do a virtual walk yard sign. and uh, But all that information is on their website, pwcf.org. Now, on to Jessica, and we are brave together. So what does it look like to be an advocate for the friendship of women, connection, and community? To not only offer resources like workshops, relevant speakers, online groups, and mentoring, but also specialized and affordable retreats for mothers of children with special needs. Jessica, mother to 16-year-old Ryan with PWS, spoke with me about her nonprofit organization, We Are Brave Together. I thought her story would be a beautiful one to start us off for PWS Awareness Month because of her wisdom her experience, and the beautiful work that she is doing in the world. Before we got into talking about We Are Brave Together, she shared some of her own personal story raising a child with special needs, how she got plugged into PWCF right away with a mentor and support groups. Side note, the woman that was her mentor has graciously accepted an interview later on this month. Jessica also talked about anxiety which for their family is one of the biggest challenges of PWS and their life. And she talked about the ways they are coping with how it manifests. And then we talk about siblings. And I really appreciated this part of the conversation. I even got a little emotional talking about it. Ryan has siblings on either side of him, just like Freya does. Jessica talked about how important it is to validate their feelings, these siblings. Be intentional with them. Be sure that they understand they still matter and to make time for them. It is important to recognize that our children with special needs take up a lot of time and space and thoughts and energy. And I think that, you know, part of that is just the way of life. And we're all born into different scenarios and different families and we must learn to adapt. But I also agree that we should be sensitive to our other children and the time and the space that they give up for their siblings' challenges. And we should find ways to compensate them so that they know, as Jessica says, 
that they still matter. As for We Are Brave Together, I will leave it to Jessica to talk about because she speaks so beautifully and passionately about it. So be sure to check out the links mentioned in this intro and in the interview. WeAreBraveTogether.com. Check that out to see what's happening there, uh, the resources that they offer, and you can join the online community. Also check out pwcf.org for some great resources, support, and to see the schedule of fundraising walks and how you can donate. And then lastly, there's my website, annfricky.com, A-N-N-E-F-R-I-C-K-E.com. You can find all the podcast episodes there, and you can sign up for my Walking with Freya email list, which I hope that you do. And you can also check out some of my writing and my performance poetry there as well, if that's something you're interested in. And if you're local and you're interested in signing up for my writing workshop, you can do that there as well. Also, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review on whatever app you are listening on. If you if you do subscribe, it's free. Don't I mean it's nothing is gonna happen except that you'll just be notified when a new episode comes out. That's it. <laughs> you don't have to pay anybody. Um, but yeah, leave a review, leave a rating. That helps out the podcast a lot. Also, follow the podcast on Instagram at Walking with Freya, and you can stay updated on the episodes. Plus, a lot of little side stories and cute little pictures of Freya with her siblings. Now, let's get into it. Happy May Day, happy Beltane, happy PWS Awareness Month. I will be back in a week. Thanks for being here. And Jessica, do you mind starting with just talking about your own experience as a special needs mom? Just kind of tell us about Ryan and who he is. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So Ryan is now almost 16 and I just can't believe how quickly the years go by. So I've been (laughs) on this journey for almost 16 years. Um, He's our middle son. We have two other kids as well, Luke, who's 18 and Kate, who is 13. So he is flanked on either side with love and uh, encouragement. And when he was born, he couldn't suck and he didn't cry and he didn't move very much. And uh, we spent a month in the hospital not knowing what was wrong. And they told us he had low muscle tone and he had some breathing issues and um, uh, some other medical issues, but we didn't have any answers. And this was before smartphones, so I wasn't looking up anything and probably best it was probably best for me not to. Um, anyway, and then mm-hmm. at five weeks of age, we got a phone call from our pediatrician that he was diagnosed with Prader-Willi syndrome. And we were shocked and scared and overwhelmed. We had never heard of it. Uh, nobody around us had heard of it. Even when we were testing for it and even talking to professionals in the hospital, nobody really knew about it. And so we were entering a world, well, the world of special needs, but then also the world of a rare disease. And um, it was very scary. And there was a lot of tears. And, but as soon as possible, we got plugged in with the Prader-Willi California Foundation and found resources and support and a mentor So I'll never forget when I got a phone call from the organization and my first mentor mom, Lisa Graziano, and I quickly found out that she lived 10 minutes away and I just breathed a sigh of relief knowing that I wasn't going to have to walk through it alone. Um, Mm. So that was very powerful, but um, the early years were filled with all the early intervention services and therapies like occupational therapy because Ryan couldn't suck. Um, We had an OT that specialized in feeding and it took a year for him to be able to get off the feeding tube and to be able to take a bottle on his own. Wow. So he was very, very low tone and 
he had physical therapy that started right away and speech therapy, I think, started about age one. And the first year we had so many specialist appointments. So it, it's kind of a blur. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel the same way. Yeah, that first year I just look back on it. I'm like, I just, all I remember is like doctor's appointments and and therapy yes. and pumping. Like I, I pump oh, yes. all the time. So wow yeah it was a blur wow. for me too yeah yeah um it uh and we had luke who was two and a half at the time and you know he, it was a whirlwind for him too his world got rocked too and we were just schlepping him to appointments when we didn't have family to you know keep him at home and entertained in more enjoyable ways than you know driving around southern california um so it was it was it was a really hard time but chris and i thankfully were on the same page from the beginning and i felt his support and that we were in it as a team and so i think that contributed to my coping well and managing well is that in our immediate home life I knew that we were doing this together. That's a that's a beautiful thing to recognize and to have because I I imagine there's not a lot of or not everybody does have that have that support at home and so it's even maybe even more challenging but more crucial to find it in your community. I mean I think that's great that um, that there were still those resources back then that was actually one of my not back then but I know like you yes. know 15 years kind of in this realm can be a long time. Yes. Things, yes. a lot of things can really change. So that was one of my questions was, you know, if you had a lot of resources for yourself, even uh, mm -hmm. in the beginning, like support groups. And I mean, I love the, the mentoring uh -huh. aspect. I didn't know that that was a thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We chose to get plugged in right away. And so we, because of that, we felt, um, we, we felt and knew the resources. We went to our first support group when Ryan was two months old. We went to our first conference when he was about four months old. And so we just jumped in, um, probably just, you know, out of fear and not, you know, and just wanting information and wanting to know how best to care and advocate for Ryan. Mm -hmm. um, there are mentors through the Prada Willey California Foundation and there are mentors through the uh, Prada Willey Syndrome Association based in Florida. So uh, parents who call in with uh, children ha who have new diagnoses will receive some mentoring. Yeah, I remember um, shortly after Freya's diagnosis, which was um, seven years ago now, I guess, um, somebody from yes. uh, PWCF did call me and we talked on the phone. I happen to live in a part of the state where, you know, we're way up north and it's pretty rural. Mm -hmm. So there's not mm -hmm. a lot of actual in-person resources up here. But sure. And, and doing this podcast and speaking with parents whose children have rare disorders that don't have, you know, organizations or communities that are already built you know it's for me mm -hmm. like hearing those stories it's i realize what a blessing it is to have such amazing support and and so many organizations already in place for us yes absolutely absolutely i know when i talk to moms who say well my son is one of 20 in the world with this <laughs> rare you know rare times infinity <laughs> disorder mm -hmm. i am um, taken aback and I feel, you know, empathetic and compassionate and, and then grateful too, that I've had a lot of resources, even if I haven't always called upon it, you know, as, as intensely as in the beginning years, I know that they're there. Yeah. I know that they're there. So fast forward to today and Ryan is going to be 16. He is, five, eight and a half. He's tall and <laughs> skinny. And, um, and I mentioned that last piece just because when you read about Prader-Willi syndrome and you read about the crazy food drive, 
you think and you look at pictures and you look online and you think, oh my goodness, this is going to be so incredibly out of control and he's going to be overweight and have diabetes or any other medical complications that come with um, obesity or morbid obesity, but it hasn't played out that way. And his food drive has been a slow burn, I say. It's, it's gradually increased over time, and we didn't have to lock our kitchen until he was 13. Nice. So um, we definitely talk about food more than non-Prader-Willie families, but I would say <laughs> that I would say that it's, it's manageable. I mean, there are things that we avoid for sure because of the food drive. I'm not going to say that that doesn't alter our life because it absolutely does. Uh-huh. Um, but I would, I, I think managing his anxiety daily is harder than managing his food drive. Okay. So how does that anxiety look? That's something that's definitely creeping into our world. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely interested in this. How does anxiety look for Ryan? So what it looks like, he gets something into his head. It's usually something he wants. Um, sometimes it's just something irrational. For example, yesterday morning, um, so Ryan is transported back and forth to school. He always has since about first grade. It's a wonderful perk we take advantage of in our school system because he's been at other schools, other public schools than his siblings most of the time. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so anyway, he, but sometimes, you know, I, I have two other kids. My oldest drives himself. Uh, my husband and I take turns taking our daughter to middle school and, and mostly Chris does it and I, lean, I hang back with Ryan because the timing of it is not so great, um, trying to get both where they need to be. <laughs> and so anyway, um, Chris was taking Luke to breakfast, which he does once a week each with Luke and Kate. And um, all of a sudden, and I, so I, I said that we needed to leave a few minutes early to take Kate to school and get back for Ryan's ride. And Ryan just said, I don't believe you that we're going to get back on time. I don't mm. believe you. And he all of a sudden was worked up. I mean, the anxious, whiny voice and nothing I said helped. And so Chris had to change his plans and he took Kate and switched his day with Luke because we couldn't, we couldn't sway Ryan. Right. Even though he's never missed a ride. He's, we've, you know, it doesn't matter if he's late to school, like it matters for Luke and Kate. Uh-huh. He was already worked up and irrational about it. And so we had to alter our morning and it was, it got tense. I wasn't, I'm on, and I can't say I handled it beautifully um, because I was upset that he was altering our morning. <laughs> right. I know that is the the hard thing. I actually got to take that, um, go to that conference recently that uh, Lisa Graziano did. And oh, wonderful. It was so, it was so great. And I learned a lot and, you know, having it in my head and then being able to implement some of mm-hmm. those things in those mm-hmm. moments when mm-hmm. it goes from zero to 60 and like, a moment and you're caught off guard and, and yes. there's other kids involved that need to be somewhere. Or yes. It, it's hard to call upon those skills sometimes. I agree. I agree. And I, I mean, I've been to so much training and I still feel like I need to retrain myself yeah. to not respond um, the way I do sometimes. Yeah. So when you do respond well, when you, when you meet his anxiety with, the skills that you have, what does that look like? What's a positive? Right. So my, if I were the best version of me responding to yesterday's morning be would probably be with empathy, which Lisa greatly emphasized in, in the most recent training she has in the past, but I feel like even more so it was Mm -hmm. emphasized that this is critical when our kids or adults with PWS get upset or are triggered. And I, I probably could have said, oh, you're so worried. You are so worried right now that you're going to be late for your ride. Oh, you're really worried. 
you're really worried about it, Ryan. You're really concerned that we're not going to get back in time. So just kind of reiterating his concerns, saying it really genuinely, calmly, sweetly, so that he feels heard mm -hmm. might have worked. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Because sometimes when I've applied empathy, he gets upset with me. Um, and I'm like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I, yeah, so I didn't respond though with empathy yesterday because I was upset immediately that it was changing the morning. And uh -huh. I think it's just my own, if I'm being really super honest, um, there's probably some subconscious, probably there is subconscious emotions about how our lives have been all greatly altered in our family because of Ryan, because of PWS and because of his anxiety. Uh -huh. And so I think it pushes that emotional button in me. Right. And so I just get upset that here we go. Another morning sort of derailed. Yeah, that is the hard thing. And I think especially when you have other children involved and they're just kind of looking at you like, wait a second, what? <laughs> uh, they're so used to it now. I mean, <laughs> thankfully, yeah. I mean, they don't often verbalize like, well, that really stinks. I was going to have breakfast with dad and the morning got, you know, ruined. So anyway, when things do get derailed, Luke and Kate at 18 and 13 are, are used to it. I'm not going to say they don't have emotions. They just don't overtly express them. And I try to pull it out maybe later. And sometimes that works. Sometimes that doesn't. I just always want to make sure that they know that their voice matters. Yeah. I like that. What are other ways that you deal with his anxiety? Are there any supplements or um, medications that he's on, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, of course. Um, he is on medication. Uh, we probably started when he was about 10, maybe nine, um, because it just, it, his anxiety exceeded what we could do environmentally and uh -huh. behaviorally. And so once you hit that point where you've exhausted you know, trying to control environmental triggers and, you know, learning all the behavior techniques and you're, you know, doing that and providing structure and providing food security and a food schedule and all these things. Um, it just got to the point where we needed something else besides having some amazing behaviorists live with us 24 <laughs> seven, which wasn't an option. Um, I, uh, we, we started medication and he's never had any side effects. Um, not, not really. Um, there's, you know, we certainly had trial and error with certain ones, um, or adjustment periods, but right now he's on three medications. Um, it's just been a gradual increase over time. Um, just to manage anxiety or impulsiveness or aggression. And so we have this perfect combination and, We've tried to take one away and it, it just backfires. Um, again, outside of having someone come live with us for a while until if, if we could manage it, it, I don't know, manage it behaviorally. Um, you know, so he's on medication. He also takes um, supplements. I'm trying to think there, well, maybe one that might contribute to, um, the anxiety is GABA. And then uh -huh. he's also on something for the skin picking NAC. Right. Yeah. Freya takes that too. So, and I do think both of them help. Um, I do, I do. It's not, nothing is a cure-all, but I think everything that he is taking supplements and his medications are contributing to uh, overall stability. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad that there is something that you guys have found that works for him. Yes. Yes. And keeping him busy. Honestly, we have to have enough scheduled for him on weekends and breaks. Uh, he's really uh, not content um, now that we've sort of employed some additional 
help, whether that's um, hiring a local teenager to come and play sports with him for a couple hours and walk the dogs or um, some of the local programs that um, have arisen in the last couple of years, kind of like day programs over breaks that really uh, gives him something to look forward to and he's happy and he gets out and um, all of those things also contribute to his stability. Yeah. And how have you been so successful uh, with his weight? Is that? Honestly, I, you know, <laughs> our, um, our orthopedic doctor every year when he sees Ryan, because Ryan has scoliosis, uh -huh. um, he always comes <clears throat> in the room, shakes my hand, looks me in the eye and says, you're a good mom. He looks great. <laughs> and I want to say, I always say thank you graciously, but I feel like he's saying that because Ryan is so skinny. And honestly, I don't feel like I can take credit. I just think he has my high metabolism and Chris's high metabolism. Um, I Certainly, he's been on growth hormones since he was about 10 weeks of age, and that contributes to building lean muscle. But I he hasn't shown the low metabolism that's typically a part of Proto-Release syndrome. Okay. And I always say it could change. It could change tomorrow. Um, we don't have to count calories. We're careful. He has probably the healthiest diet of his peers at school. No, I don't really know. I don't know what their parents yeah. back then, but you know, comments through the years I've heard. And in fact, yeah. Um, somebody in the past thought that maybe we weren't feeding him enough, and I'm like, I promise, oh I promise we're not underfeeding him. He does get pizza, he does get junk food, he does get sweets, but um, we're we're careful. But he's not on a gluten-free, sugar-free, dairy-free. You know, he's not on any special diet. We're just careful. Yeah, yeah. That's how that's how we do it. I mean, we eat pretty healthy anyway, um, but I don't. We also don't restrict, like if there's a birthday party or something, you know, because. Yes. yes, same, same. I mean, Freya does not seem to have a high metabolism. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm definitely, I'm definitely starting to see, like, okay, maybe I need to make a few more changes. Uh huh. So that's coming up. I'm always interested to talk to parents who have older children. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, he's not an adult yet, but, you know, he's a teenager. Mm -hmm. So how have things shifted for you um, from the beginning and, and, uh, and now, like, like your coping skills or your, mm -hmm. how you kind of interact in this, in this realm? I think um, with both Luke and Kate, I think we've validated their feelings through the years and tried to keep the lines open. I don't know that, um, I think probably Luke has been less talkative about it than Kate, but now that he's so much older, I've interviewed him as I've prepped on talking about caring for siblings in a special needs family and he's given some good feedback and so far seems unscathed by the journey, which has been unique and stressful and very difficult at times. I mean, Luke has had to restrain Ryan with me. Mm. Th those are images I don't wow. like for Luke or Kate. And um, it breaks my heart. I, I think I compartmentalize it, you know, because it's, it's traumatic and painful to really think about that that's been part of their um, experience you know, not weekly, not monthly, you know, it, it, it comes and goes. But I think um, what we have done to be intentional for both uh, Luke and Kate is to have time with them away from Ryan. So whether that's, you know, Chris's breakfast with them or he, you know, he'll take Luke on a trip or I'll take Luke on a trip or I'll take Kate on a trip or um, when Ryan has been at the PWS camp in the summer a few times, the four of us were able to take a little trip and have that time without a schedule and a food schedule and managing anyone's anxiety. And we've done that without any guilt at oh, all. That's great. I was going to ask that actually. Um, mm -hmm. I, 
that's that's fantastic because i can see where because i th i was just trying to picture like oh what if we could do that because we have two mm -hmm. other siblings mm -hmm. also mm -hmm. and and uh and granted freya is younger so maybe that's it but um i i can see how that would maybe be a little hard for some people mm -hmm. um leaving one of them behind but but to give your kids that opportunity your mm -hmm. your other two kids that opportunity to live this kind of mm -hmm. stress-free schedule-free mm -hmm. moment mm -hmm. beautiful well i think it's critical if if you really stop and think about how much energy time and emotion has been devoted to your child with special needs mm. really stop and think about that and then ask yourself does this child deserve more of my time and effort than my other two, three, four, one, you know, child in the family? No, no. And it's really important that they know that they still matter because so much of the air in the room gets taken up by the special needs child. You know, day to day, it can be different. Season to season, it can be different. Um, but I think it's really, really important as much as possible that can look like, you know what, you're going to stay home today and it's a secret between us and brother's going to go to school and we get to play at home today. That's free. You know, so I'm not saying you have to take every child on a trip or Disneyland or what have you, you know, there are options of spending some one-on-one -on -one quality time with the other siblings when your child with special needs goes to school or extended school year or a camp. Yeah, that's great. And certainly if you can do other things like, you know, splinter off and have those special trips or special days, that's, you know, fantastic. Um, one of my midlife revelations is that no matter what we do to try to compensate for our story and all the time, attention, and energy, and emotion that goes to a special needs child. We, we can't ever fully compensate with our other kids um, to the degree that's, I'm not saying it very well, but to the degree as if the story wasn't in existence. And I think it's okay. Like I think for us to say, I'm gonna do the best I can to show love and attention and intention with my other kids, and I know it can't make up for the drama or the changes or the life alterations that special needs brings to our family, but I'm still going to do these things for my other children. Yeah. Oh, God, that hit me. Mm. <laughs> oh. mm. That's inspiring for me to make more time, more solo time for my other two. Mm -hmm. especially my my oldest daughter she was uh seven years old she was an only child mm -hmm. before freya and you know for wow. seven years and we did a lot seven of seven years <laughs> yeah yeah and we did a lot of traveling and um you know we i homeschooled her so we had just full on one-on-one -on -one, and then just in a moment it was it changed yes yes as it does yes so a big rock to her world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> okay. Well, I think that this, um, thank you for that. I'm definitely Absolutely. going to try and come up with some good plans now for, good. Good. for time with them. Um, but they will appreciate that. They will yeah. for sure. Especially if there's ice cream involved. <laughs> yes. Or any treats that you don't have right. around the house. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So this is maybe a good segue into talking about uh, We Are Brave Together. You are the founder and the president. Yes. And uh, so are you ready to talk about that? Absolutely. Anytime. Or if you want to start with the inspiration, with what led you to creating this? Um, sure. Absolutely. Well, I always say it was two things colliding in my heart that uh, was the catalyst for launching We Are Brave Together. Um, one is I love my girlfriends and I my girlfriends have been my family and I'm a huge proponent and advocate 
for the friendship of women and community and connection. And I know that women have so much to offer each other and to inspire and empower and encourage each other when we leave some of the other stuff behind, like comparison or competition. And I started doing these fluffy girlfriends retreats in 2012 with one of my best friends, um, which was sort of a natural outflow for both of us to um, do these gatherings in other cities and bring in a motivational speaker and just kind of have a girl's weekend with a little bit of meaning incorporated into it. And also just knowing what the journey of a special needs mom is like and how there are highs and lows and on again, off again, grief and um, the stress and the isolation and loneliness and um, just feeling like you're out on an island managing this crazy world of, you know, whether it's appointments or surgeries or multiple hospitalizations or uh, comorbid diagnoses or just there's so much on the plate of a special needs mother. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to combine my passion and my burden together and do something for special needs moms. It's something I had been wanting to do probably the last 10 years. And I just didn't know what it was supposed to look like. You know, I had ideas of buying a retreat center <laughs> or buying a building where, you know, kids could be dropped off and there would be therapies and there would be exercise and there would be healthy meals and moms could have a hotel room for the weekend in that building by themselves to rest and relax or, you know, have tutors and just have all these resources in this building and also have it be a place where moms could get away. I mean, I just had all these crazy ideas. I'm like, well, <laughs> nope, can't, can't buy a building. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> can't do that. But um, I, I, I believe in the power of gatherings. So I thought, well, I can create different types of gatherings. So We Are Brave Together provides traditional support groups. We provide um, retreats. We provide workshops and resources and mentoring. And, uh, you know, in the hopes that mom, moms will come, that they will hear practical, resourceful information, but on a deeper level, feel like they are not alone, that they can come to a place where no one's going to judge them for their grief or their anger or any emotion that they have uh, or any question that they have or anything that they need to vent about that they will come to a We Are Brave Together gathering and feel heard, loved, understood, and validated. So I had to do something. I had to do something. Yeah. So tell us about the retreats a little more. Sure. Um, we have done three so far, and it's two nights away. Um, out of town, we've done two in the desert uh, here in Southern California in Palm Desert. Uh, we're getting ready for our next desert retreat, which will be in September as well. It's on the website, but we we're not releasing registration yet. Um, and then we also did one in Florida. So our, our plan is to do one in-state and out-of-state. And that would be wonderful if that could grow over time if we have you know, more people to sort of uh, be the planners for that. Um, but what we do at a retreat is typically uh, almost 40 hours away, and it's, it's sharing time, sharing your stories, and then we have sessions that um, are pretty practical, um, where you might have, we might have a mom who is a mother of an adult child sharing advice on a particular topic. Um, we've had sessions on self-care, which is critical for moms so that they don't burn out in their caregiving uh, role. Um, we've done um, some exercises that were uh, cathartic and therapeutic and heavy and powerful and wonderful all at the same time. So we've, you know, had different people lead those sessions, myself included. Um, and it's just a, 
a mix on the retreat of group time and then complete downtime. And certainly the group sessions are optional. I always tell people if you need to sleep in, if you need to take a nap, if you just need to go and be by yourself and journal or read, that's, that's fine. Whatever you need is, is acceptable. We certainly provide the sessions to be helpful and empowering and therapeutic um, and you know to build bonds and community. But if some moms just need to go and be by themselves for a session, then that's okay. And then we build in just downtime. So it could be going on a walk, hanging around the pool, um, playing games, watching a movie, that kind of thing. And we usually, what we've done so far, which I think is going to change in the future because the need is going up and our retreats are selling out more quickly, but we've been able to either rent or borrow homes. And so it hasn't been at a hotel or a retreat center. Um, and it's worked beautifully so far just to have that home atmosphere. We'll have one home as sort of the main meeting spot and where we have meals together and cook together. Uh, going forward, I think we'll, uh, we're going to have to expand so that we can have more spots. And so it'll probably look different going, you know, into the future, into mm -hmm. 2020. But um, that's basically what a retreat is all yeah. about. It's respite. Yeah. And it sounds like an amazing opportunity to meet other women. Like you were saying, you know, this, the gathering together and, yes. and to meet other women to imagine form pretty strong friendships and bonds that, yes. that last afterwards. Yes. So all it takes in order to get a retreat in a different city or state is having a collaborator. So my best friend lives in Northern Florida. She's like, I'll, you know, work on a retreat with you. So she was my scout to find housing. And she brought a crew of her friends from her community to the retreat. And we, you know, discussed content together and, you know, planned. I flew in ahead of time so we could set up. And that's really all it takes. It doesn't mean that you have to financially contribute to the, to the cost of, you know, because we subsidize so that the retreats are more affordable, like, a hundred to, you know, two hundred dollars per retreat, um, including housing and food, content and goodie bags. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that. I saw that price on your website, and that's why I was like, I wonder what goes. Is that is what not, goes into that? Yeah, not the price. <laughs> How is that possible? <laughs> yeah, correct, correct. So, yeah, I mean, doing a retreat in Northern California is absolutely possible. Would love to. Well, you saw, I just scheduled that first writing workshop, which is kind of like a beginning for me to reach out in that way to the community and see what kind of response there is locally. Yes. So I mean, I've been That's waiting. so exciting. But, um, I, th I, I love what we're doing. I just interviewed Emily the other day talking about her food gratitude oh, uh, yeah. course. And just, I think there's, there's just a lot of great stuff that's happening. I, I, and I don't know if it's always been there because but and I'm just maybe just getting tuned into it sure but, you know parents of children with special needs as like okay how like what are ways that we can can benefit them and and you know how can we make this look just like beyond the diagnosis and all the medical needs like what else can be brought into the community for everybody's benefit yes that's that's a great question and pursuit. I think a lot of people are rising up and it's beautiful. Yeah. So I saw on your website also that you have something coming up called Dear Younger Me. Oh, yes. Yes. It's, um, it's a day of mentoring and it's, it's May 4th and it will be lunch and then several sessions led by mothers who are moms of adult children. And so ideally, speaking to an audience of moms who are younger or earlier in their journey of special needs. Um, not that we can't always learn. I'll be sitting in on all the sessions that I'm not, you know, co-leading, but it's, uh, it will be full of topics like marriage, um, self-care, stress management, identity, um, why inclusion matters. One mom wanted to talk about um, life after high school, um, and I think a few more topics and 
it's just a really great time to hear experience and advice from other moms and ask questions. Yeah, what a great resource. It sounds sounds fabulous. And I'm sure it's so beneficial to the people that are coming. I mean, every time I interview a, a mom with an older child, I just learn so much. And and it's very inspiring to hear the stories and, you know, hear, you know, these people have been living lives like they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're still living their life and having fun and having joy and, and sweet moments yes. amidst yes. All, of, all of the other chaos. But it's, it's really nice to see, to, to realize that it's not all doom and gloom. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I, I hope that it inspires hope for the moms who are earlier in their journey. Absolutely. Just to hear from these different moms. So do you have a bigger vision for We Are Brave Together or other, or are you just hoping to expand and and reach more people or or is this, are there things that you want to bring into it in the future? Um, so much. I have so many dreams. (laughs) Um, but you know, in order to, to do what, you know, I would love to do. It just requires heavy fundraising, uh-huh. but I trust those donors are out there because the need is so incredibly huge to support moms. You know, a statistic that I read in the last couple of months, one in five children in the U.S. have a special health care need. That's a lot of moms. That's a lot of families affected. And, um, I mean, big, big picture, it would be great if there were chapters in other parts of the country. Um, I would love to see whether it was formal or not formally said to be a We Are Brave Together support group. I would love to see moms, in it, and it is happening, just rise up to get together in their community and invite moms over for coffee or wine or tea or meet for a walk and they're all special needs moms and they're all just meeting regularly, whether that's three or four times a year or, you know, every month. I mean, I hope that it will inspire moms to create gatherings where they are because I can't, I can't be in every city and every state. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, certainly I would love to, um, you know, have teams so that we could expand on doing more retreats because I think those weekends of respite are critical. That would be amazing if we could expand on that. Um, I Personally, for me, I'm pacing myself because I still have Kate. and Luke is leaving for college in five months. And Ryan, of course, will be with us for a very long time. And then Kate is my seventh grader. And so I want to be present for her and I want to be around for her. So I have a lot of energy and a lot of ideas, but I'm just pacing myself so that I can be present for her and for Chris too. I have an amazing husband who's been supportive of all my dreams and all my whims and supported me in We Are Brave Together. There would be no We Are Brave Together without Chris. And um, I want to be present and intentional with him as well. So yes, I have big ideas, but I'm just trying to pace myself. Sounds exciting. It is exciting. And everybody I meet, I think, oh, I want to do a workshop with you. Oh, I want to do this with you. And I, I mean, I would love to do a podcast eventually because it's a great resource readily available to moms. If, if there are moms that can never leave their life uh-huh. and there are moms who cannot leave their life, I hear lots of stories. Um, how do we inspire them? How do we reach them? How do we give them resources and, and practical takeaways? Well, you know, we have our kitchen chats, which we do periodically on our YouTube channel, but a podcast would be amazing. So that's on the goal list as well. Yeah. It, it's, and you can, uh, I mean, you can reach people everywhere with the podcast and yes. it's great. I mean, the feedback that I've gotten from this podcast is just every time I get an email about you know, somebody who's, who thought they were alone on this journey, who's been listening to the podcast and now realizes that, you know, there's hope or, you know, all those emails, I'm just like, oh yes, this is like, what, I mean, how great that we live in a time when we have this kind of resource that can reach anybody. Because, it's like so wonderful. 
yeah like if you're if you're not in a community where you know people or if you're in a situation where you really don't get out much you know it's great to know to to still have access to to uh these stories and and to know that you're not alone out there absolutely so absolutely so how can people um, get involved and support We Are Brave Together? Well, if you are a mom out there caring for any age child or adult child with any diagnosis, disability, or challenge of any kind, including mental health, including learning disabilities, including ADHD um, or ADD, you are welcome to join We Are Brave Together. You just join simply through the website, wearebravetogether.com. And a pop-up should be there or on the menu bar, it says join, and you'll fill out a little form. We also have a secret uh, Facebook group. So when you join, you can answer the question that you'd like to be a part of that Facebook group or not. And so even though we are based in Southern California, we have members from all over the United States. And we have members even outside the United States that can be a part of the group through that Facebook group. And then we send out a newsletter twice a month uh, with some inspiration resources and, and what our latest gatherings and events are. Mm -hmm. And do you take donations on the website? Is that is something? We do. Okay. We do. Absolutely. We are always welcoming donations of any size. <laughs> I mean, I have people who donate $10 a month ongoing because that's what they can do. And it's wonderful because that's still 120 a year <laughs> yeah so um yes it we do have a donate page we are doing a big fundraiser this summer with a singer songwriter by the name of tyrone wells so it'll be uh just a fun night out on the cliffs of palace verdes to raise funds for we are brave together and um even if people cannot attend the event they can certainly donate towards the event uh, we are always looking for donors. So thank you for asking. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, okay. Well, and I wanted to ask you about the name. I don't know if you have like a, a story behind the name or if it was just, um, I mean, it's not an obscure name. I, like it, sure. it makes sense, but I, I'm mm -hmm. just wondering if there was like a moment where. I think, um, I think after I had done a couple of my, we call them fluffy, you know, uh, girlfriend's retreats where we would meet in Austin or meet in Nashville or what have you. And it was, um, I just, after experiencing those and other types of gatherings like that, I, I personally came away so strong and emboldened and empowered after being with these other fantastic women and of all walks of you know with all different stories and i just thought there's something that happens when we come together and being a special needs mom the emotions that we hear about and feel so often are fear worry and isolation and i just thought based on my own experience and just what I envisioned for We Are Brave Together, that moms would come together and just have a lot more courage and bravery for their journey as they hear and see and touch other women's lives and their family stories. Mm. Is, there, is there anything that we missed that you wanted to bring into the, into the conversation? Anything that you wanted to to say about your experience or about We Are Brave? I would, I, two thoughts immediately come to mind. One is there are so many gifts along the way and I don't mean that in any cliche <laughs> way <laughs> because, you know, and honestly, depending on where you are in the grief cycle, um, you know, you might want to slap the person who says that or you might say, I know you're right. I've seen that. I've witnessed that. I've appreciated that. But really there's, you know, there's a shift in perspective. There's a shift in priorities that I think is a gift. You realize 
what's important and what's not important. You realize who in your life are your people, who your inner circle, holy of holies people are, who are going to walk the journey with you. And um, there are a lot of sweet moments that come out of this journey. Like, for example, I, I, you might have seen this. I posted this the other day. Ryan's always asking about work. What did I do for work? Who did I see? Who did I talk to? Did I, you know, have a, a speaking engagement? And he said to me, Mom, I think you should call 25 moms and make sure they feel loved. <laughs> I know I saw that. That was so <laughs> Who said that? I mean, it was beautiful. And I just held on to that, you know, because there's so much chaos and craziness too, but then you get these moments that are so otherworldly sweet. And they do come. And sometimes you have to seek for the hidden treasures along the journey, and sometimes they just fall right into your lap. But I promise. They, they are there. They are part of this journey. And I never, ever thought that I would ever say I'm grateful for our journey and our story, mm. but I am. I can say that now. I can say that now. Um, I, I didn't think I would get to that place. I just really didn't. Um, and the last thought I wanted to, I, oh, I try to share this often, is that the grief in special needs motherhood is cyclical. It is not linear. It's on again, off again, and it's okay. It's so incredibly normal. So there's, an, if you feel like a grief button gets pushed again when you know, often it, I think it happens around milestones, graduations or proms or kids getting their driver's license or you see, you know, your other nieces and nephews doing things that your child will not be doing. Um, and all of a sudden you're feeling that wave of sadness and loss again. It is so normal. It is so normal. And just know that you don't really get over it, but it, it won't hold you in the grip of palpable pain and grief. Well said. One of the writing pieces that I'm putting in the writing journal is about that, about the grief and how, you know, like, you know, coming to this realization that it's not about getting over it or past mm -hmm. it because it just, it is going to keep coming back but it's mm -hmm. going to keep coming back just as much as you know remembering the first time Freya ever smiled at mm. at her sister and 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 having that moment of like okay you know she's connecting you know and yes. so like there's those beautiful moments too that keep coming back and it is just kind of this dance that we're doing and, and absolutely how do we navigate those days that are harder and enjoy the ones that are easier I don't, you know it's so, so true so yeah. true and I think when, when people can realize that, can recognize that, that grief is this cycle that is, you know, that they're not, you know, aiming for this point of like when they're going to get past it and move on. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of liberation that comes with that. Yes. And nobody said that to me in the early years. And I had, you know, some friends, well-meaning, not knowing, you know, because they weren't special needs parents, mm -hmm. you know, were like, are you okay? Are you depressed? Do you need a counselor? Is this normal? <laughs> wow. And I didn't know until, I mean, I knew, uh, you know, I knew because I had talked to other Prader-Rilly parents and we would all share very honestly. So I knew in that world, it was very normal. But when you're outside that world to other people, they think, oh, you're, you haven't gotten over it yet. But that's, you know, I don't think this is another midlife revelation is I don't think we ever get over anything. It just doesn't hold you. It doesn't have the power that it had before. Hopefully, if you've worked through it. I mean, if you are stuck in the grief cycle, in anger, resentment, bitterness, sadness, depression, denial, any of it, then you, you need to seek help for sure if you're stuck. But to go through those different emotions at different times of your child's life is completely normal. Yeah. 
If we could all have mentors to help guide us, that would just be. <laughs> I know. So I agree. Easier. I agree. I agree. Have you seen it change your relationships with people? Have you lost friendships or have friendships faded because of your journey? Um, I am one who I'm always pretty open with people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like definitely, um, I don't know if I'm more careful about who I spend my time with, but the, the conversations are just deeper. Mm -hmm. I don't have, I, I don't have the patience so much for, um, kind of superfluous. I don't know how to, how do I say this? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Superficial um, or. Yeah. Which I didn't have much before, but like even more so now mm -hmm. and, and doing this podcast and, and being, open with my story has brought me in contact with a lot of families around here that I um, I feel really grateful to know and so just forging connections that way and I'm a lot I'm a lot more conscious of of how to be supportive yes I think, or the or the need to be supportive even yes. even if it's just standing next to them yes yes you're now an agent of compassion Mm. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I keep meaning to write about that and I haven't sat down long enough to do that, but <laughs> that was just something that phrase just dropped into my heart a few weeks ago. Mm. And, you know, we can take everything that we've been through and what we still go through in chronic hardship and turn it into something beautiful 